It's Unleashed Bay Area Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco, episode 47 for November 21st, 2022. A full preview of the 49ers in Mexico. Was Colorado Springs the right move? Trent Williams on tipping plays, almost on Sue. And, of course, we got the NFL recap in three minutes or more and how it affects the 49ers. And one for the road, Clay Thompson is back. Or is he? Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Happy Monday. Hope you are doing great. It is November 21st. 49ers are in Mexico. Got a full preview for you. And do remember, I am on 49ers pre-half and post-game on the 49ers radio network on KNBR, KNBR.com, or if you're out of the market, you can stream the 49ers radio network at 49ers.com, so you can give me a listen there. Thank you for making Unleashed your first stop for Barrier Sports Talk each weekday. Please listen and subscribe or get your favorite podcast. The studio is done. We're just dotting I's, crossing T's, making it look nice. So the first video pod on YouTube will be on Wednesday before your Thanksgiving break, and then you stuff your face with turkey. My uh, day job I just mentioned, KNBR Radio in San Francisco and KNBR.com, KNBR 680, the blowtorch. Please make sure you listen to me and uh, Greg Klopp, the voice of the 49ers, who I uh, spoke with uh, prominently and have a report from Mexico. He is there as we speak. And I'm on from uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., so make sure you check us out as well and interact any old time at John Lund Radio on Instagram, on Twitter. Love questions, comments. It's okay if you disagree. That's fine. We are in a safe space here. But uh, I'm always asking you questions during the podcast if you're new to the podcast, and so I love to get interaction from people. I'm always going, well, what do you think of this? And what do you think of this? And what do you think of this? And rather than the monotony of my voice constantly, it's great to get somebody else's. And once we hit the video, too, and the YouTube channel, we'll post those uh, Twitter, uh, those tweets as well so that you can uh, see them and we will talk all about them. If you are new to Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk, thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know me, I'm John Lund, KNBR Radio in San Francisco. I've been doing sports radio, I don't know, 25 years in all the different markets all across the country. So I think it gives me a different perspective, a unique perspective on sports. And while we stick to a lot of Bay Area sports, talk a lot about the uh, Giants and the Warriors, and the 49ers, and everything going around it on and off the court and the field. Uh, we delve into other things, big issues in sports. I can't help myself. We talk a lot, of, a lot of different things. You will not get politics here, but I certainly will go off the board a little bit on some things. But we are appreciative that you are here. Here's what we do. We start everything with the, with the uh, leadoff, the big story of the day, which, of course, is today. The 49ers in Mexico, we'll give you a few stories beyond that. And then uh, today on Mondays, we always do the NFL in three minutes or less. So we'll do that for you as well. And we'll always finish with a one for the road. And today's unique. I would normally put a Clay Thompson story right in the middle. Uh, that's a meaty story. One for the road is usually a little bit more fun. But because we have so much 49ers to give you today, uh, we'll finish off with one for the road. And then we'll do more Warriors as the week progresses, as they've got an interesting schedule, which I'll give you as well. So anyway, from Colorado Springs to Mexico the entire week, what's going on? They almost got Indomitian Sioux plus the game itself. We'll give you a preview. We have a ton to get to today. Let's start it off with the leadoff spot, the 49ers in Mexico and how they prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. 
don't know. I mean, that's what science says. Um, you know, and we had a, our biggest practice on Thursday. I think that's where they really felt it. You know, Wednesday's not quite as much, and today's on there like, oh, this, this is pretty real. That is Kyle Shanahan from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And if you were like me, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Now, I get the elevation thing. Um, I am not a professional athlete. That will be a theme on the podcast forever. I am not saying I'm a professional athlete, but I'm just trying to use some logic here. So Colorado Springs is 5,990 feet above sea level. Uh, Mexico City is about 7,300 above sea level. I get it. I understand why you would go to Colorado Springs, get those lungs working. Smart thing to do. Now, we'll see in the game. Arizona did not. Arizona stayed in uh, Phoenix, and they're going to the game. Um, some people think it's that they're too cheap. They could have went up to Flagstaff, which is just right up the road from them, and they could have gotten in some elevation. Uh, and the 49ers like to do this. They like to go to the Greenbrier in West Virginia when they have East Coast trips. There's an element of, obviously, the the lungs, but there's also an element of getting the team together, keeping the game team together. This is a key stretch. I think that all of those things are keys in this whole thought process, but it was nine degrees in Colorado Springs, and I'm not sure that they took that into account. So you're practicing outside in nine-degree weather. You left 75 or 70-degree weather. It was very nice in the Bay Area this weekend and last week, maybe 60s and 70s. And so that's the temperature you're going to be playing in in Mexico City. Uh, I believe tonight it's going to be like 70, 75 degrees. So you got the altitude, but you practiced in snow, which is something that you aren't going to play in in Mexico City and not going to play in the rest of the season. So maybe it offsets itself. Maybe that maybe the feeling the lungs offsets the fact that you're playing in the snow. I, I think with the technology... And again, at John Lund Radio, someone is smarter than me here. I think with the technology, could they have not gotten on treadmills and put something on their face and that could be similar to what the altitude was going to be in Mexico City? Maybe that's extremely expensive to do. You know, you got a big roster of guys. I mean, they're going to go on a, a treadmill with, <clears throat> with a device on their face and run for 20 or 30 minutes. Is that going to be the same thing? I mean, logic tells me that they could do that with today's technology, that they could get on a treadmill, that each guy could could put on some sort of a face mask and, and jog or run a little bit and, and do that after practice, before practice, get more air into their lungs. Maybe you had to go to Colorado Springs and practice in nine-degree weather. And if they win, nobody's going to care. But if they lose, everybody's going to go, well, you practiced in nine-degree weather and snow in Colorado Springs all week, and then you had to go inside of a bubble. And didn't that offset the fact that you got all these benefits from <laughs> being at high elevation? I have no idea. I just think it's really fascinating, and I can't think of another thing ever as a comp where a team went up to high elevation, practiced in nine degrees in snow, then went to Mexico City where it was like 70, 75 degrees, which is what they left in Santa Clara so that they could get the benefit of practicing in high altitude when I think there are machines that could do that. I have no idea. Maybe there's not. They know a lot more than I do, but I just thought it was a strange week of practice. Okay, having said that, the game itself, I have covered games outside of the United States, but they were in London. And London, they just, they didn't know what they were they were talking about. They didn't know what they were doing. There was some part of the crowd that did. There was a huge time change. So you you know you've seen this, whether it be Germany a couple of weeks ago with the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. You're playing at six thirty in the morning. That's not the case. It's Central Time, so you don't really have to change. Um, and talking to Greg Papa and talking to a few of the reporters and talking to some friends that actually made the trip to Mexico. This is, and you've probably heard this. Definitely a 49ers home game. The uh, ticket sales were said to be about 80% in favor of the 49ers. And uh, everywhere that uh, a friend of mine goes, he says it's just 49ers, 49ers, 49ers. Now, both teams are in red. And so you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's not like it's the Chargers and you'd see some, you know, a lot of blue or something like that. 
but it is decidedly a 49ers crowd, and my friend was getting excited about that, and it became a topic here in the Bay Area, and I said to myself, well, the Cardinals swept the 49ers last year, and Colt McCoy, which we'll get into in a minute, who's going to start, is it looks like he's going to start again, and he went 22-26, and he did it at Levi Stadium, where there were probably hardly any Cardinals fans, because if you've ever been to Phoenix, it's a transient city where... Yeah, people are from Phoenix, there's no question, but there's snowbirds from all over the country that move to Phoenix. And so I have a lot of friends that have covered sports there, and if they, if a certain team isn't doing well, they'll just get taken over by the other team. The Cowboys are a perfect example for years and years. You know, Cowboys fans took over that stadium. Lots of fans have taken over that stadium. Seahawks fans have taken over that stadium who are sick of the rain. So whether it's a home field, whether it's not a home field, it just matters on on how well you play. So that's first and foremost. Before we get to the game preview, I want to uh, get to a few things that were talked about this week in the Bay Area in regards to the 49ers, a few different things. First of all, I've been pounding the drum if you listen to the podcast with any regularity, and if you do, thank you very much. And Dominican Sue had a half sack for Philadelphia on Sunday as they barely, and we'll get through it in the NFL recap in just a few minutes, but they barely got by the Colts 17-16. And Dominican Sue, who at the age of, you know, 35-plus right now, is not the player that he was, but he certainly could give you, I think, 30, 40 snaps, certainly stop the run, be a presence, be somebody that uh, an offensive coordinator, an offensive line coach has to know where he is, and knowing that Eric Armstead's not going to play in this game, and he's still a mystery, and speaking of mysteries, that's what Javon Kinlaw is. I've told you again in the podcast a lot, I'd be shocked if he came back this year, and if he did, it would just be a bonus to me. I'm not counting on him at all. So you're looking at Kevin Givens. You're looking at Hassan Ridgeway. You just don't have a ton of depth. That's on first and second down. They go to a NASCAR package and move the ends inside with Drake Jackson and Charles Amenehue, but they need depth, and Dominican Sue would have been perfect. Uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk on Sunday reported that it came down to the Eagles and the 49ers for Ndamukong Sue. Obviously, but, you know, he's looking at it. The Eagles are 8-1. and one, The 49ers are kind of teetering. I get it. Uh, I thought that Ndamukong Sue would choose the 49ers in that scenario just because he's a West Coast guy. He's originally from Portland, Oregon. He didn't sign for a ton of money, which was some of the talk. Before he signed, he signed for about $2 million and only $250,000 guaranteed, which to me and you is a ton of money, but to him is not. So he goes to the Eagles. I thought that was one of the guys they could have gotten. Uh, OBJ's name keeps coming up. I just don't see it. Uh, read a report over the weekend. Doesn't mean it's correct. But he wants a prorated amount of $20 million, or about $5 million for the rest of the season. I don't see it. Dallas seems to me to be the most logical, most logical destination for him. The 49ers, to me, need to get the weapons that they have and use them. George Kittle last week had one catch for 21 yards. One catch. With all these weapons and the way that Christian McCaffrey moves the defense with his movement, and now that Kyle Shanahan's had even more time, I think two guys offensively need to get untracked. One being Kittle, who I love his blocking. It doesn't take away from that, but he's too good of an offensive weapon as we continue to watch Travis Kelsey dominate for the Chiefs. George Kittle can do those things, but he just hasn't been given the opportunity, and with as many weapons as there are, he's not going to be bracketed, and he needs to they need to get him the ball more. And then Debo Samuel just hasn't been Debo Samuel this year for whatever reason, injuries and such. But again, with Christian McCaffrey drawing a lot of attention, hopefully Debo can be that player and, and more so, you know, the run after the catch ability. So hopefully those two guys can get going. I'd rather see those guys get going and the focus on those guys than trying to layer another player in like OBJ, no matter how good he is. And finally, this was kind of funny to me, Trent Williams. Somebody, We have so many people who are now... Twitter scouts who, because they can access the all 22 film as we all can now, 
and they watch a certain thing and they think, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a bunch of clicks because of this. And Trent Williams explains why he's not tipping plays, and even if he was tipping plays, why it would be no big deal. So this was a storyline in the Bay Area. I wanted to bring it to your attention before we do a full game preview. Here's Trent Williams on this whole thing about tipping plays and why it's not a big deal to him and shouldn't be a big deal to you. If you just think that um, football is as simple as knowing if it's a run or a pass and you kind of dismiss the, the, the knowledge that you have to have to compete at a high level. Um, <clears throat> just because you know it's a run don't mean you know what type of run. We just installed 50 runs with six different looks each run. So, I mean, I can show you run all day. Do you know which 50 runs we're running? There's plays where we want it to look like run and we're passing it. And plays we want it to look like a pass and we're running it. So, if you're looking for me to tell you everything, then I can manipulate you. Which is why they don't look at us that much, as much as you guys think. It's not, a, it's, it's never been that big of a deal. To defend Twitter scouts for a moment, it would seem logical that you'd say, well, if you knew it was a run or a pass, it would greatly help the defense. I would imagine that if Trent Williams had been doing this all his career or lately or this year or last year or any of these things, then the 49ers offense wouldn't be as good. Trent Williams wouldn't be as good. There'd be a lot more stuffs. Now, can the offense be better? Absolutely. But I'm going to take Trent Williams' word for it. It's funny. We sit back and we especially with the advent of pro football focus, and we think what each player should be know, should be doing on each play. But I've talked to many guys from pro football focus, and they do a hell of a job. But they there is this gray area where we're not exactly sure which player was supposed to do what or which play was called and which this and that and the other. And coaches will tell you that all the time, that pro football focus frustrates them a little bit. I've talked to players who have been graded a certain way. You think they get mad about being graded and mad, and they get really mad when pro football focus says they should have done that or could have done this. And so then, so you take that where Pro Football Focus does a really nice job and they've done it for a long time, and then you get amateurs with the All-22 trying to be dangerous, and you could see where the frustration would come for a guy like Trent Williams. So there was a few different things that were talked about this week, and Dominic and Sue, OBJ, and Trent Williams. Let's preview the game. The Cliff Kingsbury's had to employ this year is McCoy, a strike to Ertz up the middle of the field, and Al Shire brings him down. Not holding on to that football. Second and six, quick toss, Rondale Moore. Couple blockers out in front. Nice hesitation. Everything to be as close as we can to what Kyler was doing. Pressure coming. Colt McCoy in some trouble. Buys the time. Tough duo to stop. Four-man rush. McCoy under pressure. Able to get free. Colt McCoy gets the first down. So there is the horror story of Colt McCoy last season, 22 of 26, and the uh, Cardinals swept the 49ers last season. Remember, the first game in Arizona was Trey Lance had to start. He ran all over the field and eventually got beat up. Then Colt McCoy comes in for Kyler Murray, and everybody's thinking, okay, it's at Levi's Stadium. You get a little payback. No Kyler Murray. Don't have to chase him around. And then Colt McCoy, as you heard in those highlights from last season, just dink, dunk, dink, dunk, dink, dunk. And very efficient, and they beat the 49ers. In fact, they blow the 49ers out at Levi's Stadium last year. Now, before anybody says anything, and I'm sure a lot of nice things will be said about Colt McCoy, and look, he won at Seattle last year. He won at Levi's Stadium last year. He won at L.A. against the Rams in the battle of backup quarterbacks last week at SoFi Stadium. So I give him credit. He knows what he's doing. He's a veteran quarterback. He's very smart. Would I rather face him than Kyler Murray? 
Yeah, I would. Kyler Murray gives the 49ers trouble. Uh, I don't think he's progressed to the level that I thought Kyler Murray would. Um, I don't know that he's the leader. I've talked to people in Arizona. There are issues certainly with Kyler Murray. I don't know that there's buyer's remorse in terms of giving him the contract that they did, but the fact that they had that studying provision in there and then they had to take it out because it was so controversial. But still, they, they obviously don't think he works hard enough. But Colt McCoy's a backup for a reason. He's a nice, solid player. I think he can surprise you like he did last year against the 49ers, who I don't know if they weren't mentally prepared or didn't watch the tape or it, whatever the case may be. Kyler Murray presents more problems with his arm strength, obviously with his legs that have given the 49ers trouble throughout the years. So I would rather face Colt McCoy despite the fact that he beat the 49ers. You heard those highlights, 22 of 26, and the 49ers won't be surprised this year. As far as the keys offensively, they always are this first and foremost, and it sounds elementary, but the 49ers don't always do this. They have a talent advantage on the Cardinals. The Cardinals aren't going anywhere this year, but if you give them confidence, they'll hang around. Play a clean football game. Uh, That means turnovers, penalties. It just seems like if you look at this year, when the 49ers win the turnover battle, they win the game. Now, that's 80% of the time in NFL history as well. 80% of the time, the team that wins the turnover battle wins. If it goes to plus two, it gets up to 90. If it goes to plus three, it's like 97%. So it sounds pretty elementary, but really with the 49ers, if they don't beat themselves, they're almost impossible to beat. Uh, Offensively as well, in looking at Arizona, they're Basically, average to below average in everything. They don't scare you a ton. They score 22. They give up 26, which is near the bottom. They won't wow you anywhere. Now, they do have good names, especially if we're talking about the 49ers offense v. the defense. You know, guys like Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker and J.J. Watt. And so they've got some guys, but they just they haven't lived up to the names. And plus, they've been banged up on that side of the ball as well. So they, they have names defensively, but they just don't have a lot of stats to back it up. Uh, again, back to the 49ers, time to get all involved. As I talked about it before a little bit, Debo and Kittle, by their standards, have been quiet this season. I think it's time for a breakout. Uh, for those who just want Christian McCaffrey to carry the ball and not Elijah Mitchell, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know this as well as I do in watching the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan as much as you have, I'm sure. He's going to go with the hot hand. And last week against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, running north-south with Elijah Mitchell was the way to go. The same thing applies against Arizona. They are weaker inside than they are outside. They have speed at the linebacker position. Buda Baker can come up. They have guys that will hit coming out of the secondary. Running wide generally in the NFL is difficult to do. You run the the wide zone like the 49ers do. You're looking for those cutback lanes. Christian McCaffrey is a master at that. So I expect Kyle Shanahan to not only employ Elijah Mitchell north-south, but if you're not going to give it to Christian McCaffrey as much, more in the slot, I think they're going to incorporate him every single week in different ways that we haven't seen. Same thing with Debo Samuel. So I think some things that could be things we haven't seen are going to be some things that uh, you'll see out of this offense as well. The Thunder-Lightning running back duo will continue that way. As far as defensively, payback for McCoy. Like I said, he dinks and dunks. You've got to get pressure in the middle. He's a smaller guy. You've got to get pressure in the middle. That's going to be difficult. Without Eric Armstead, as I keep saying throughout the podcast, They don't have as much depth inside, but they've got to find a way, especially with the NASCAR package and moving a Manihue and Drake Jackson inside. They've got to make sure that they get pressure up the middle. That's going to be the way against Colt McCoy. As far as James Conner, he's one of my favorite running backs in the league, and I think he's vastly underrated. He runs as hard as anybody, and he catches the ball great out of the backfield. They love to use James Conner in the screen game, do the Cardinals. So 
Watch number six, not only running the football, but in the screen game. He's always a guy, especially with Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is a little bit like Jimmy Garoppolo in that he's not going to go a lot of times deep down the field. He's going to try to get into playmakers' hands. And guys like Rondell Moore and James Conner, they do have enough guys, especially in the screen game that way. And then, of course, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, the type of guys that they have, just get the ball in those guys' hands. But James Conner is a guy that he runs really hard, and you've got to be able to tackle against him. Some things that are general, uh, getting off to slow starts. The 49ers have done that against Arizona. Give the crowd of 80% ticket sales something to cheer about early and often. I think that's a huge thing. Lack of confidence for the Arizona Cardinals. They've had issues. The head coach, things going wrong. They've hung their head in some games this year. They did come back big against the Raiders, but you've got to put doubt in Arizona's mind. When they got when they won last year at Levi Stadium, early on, you could tell it gave them huge confidence. They're up 14 nothing, and all of a sudden, the 49ers were reeling, and the Arizona Cardinals grabbed a bunch of confidence. Can't have that happen this year. And the fact that they got swept last year and the fact that the Arizona Cardinals have given the 49ers trouble over the last little while should be enough motivation in Mexico City. Backed up by the home crowd, and we should have a fun game in Mexico City on Monday night. By the way, pregame, halftime, postgame, I'll be on the 49ers radio network, and then 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on KMBR and KMBR.com. I'll be there as well, so we'll be, uh, we'll be getting you live stuff from Mexico City with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. So there is a quick preview on the Cardinals and the 49ers. We'll have a full recap on Tuesday. It is a Monday, so let's get to it. It's time for the NFL and how it affects the 49ers in three minutes or more. The NFL in three minutes or more and how it affects the 49ers. First of all, Seattle and Tampa after playing in Germany last week. They are off, so Seattle stays where they are. Tampa stays where they are in the playoffs, uh, in the uh, playoff chase. Philly struggled to beat Indianapolis 17-16. Jalen Hurts with the winner. Hurts will run. Takes it in. Touchdown. Nothing in front of him except the end zone. And the Eagles are an extra point away from taking the lead. Ian Eagle on CBS. And I got to be honest, uh, Indianapolis and Jeff Saturday controlled a lot of that game. And look. Each game, as uh, a, a smart man once told me, no matter what the sport you're talking about, it has its own separate and unique DNA. So I'm not saying that that Philadelphia team is the team that we're going to see every single week. Maybe they weren't motivated. I don't know what the case may be. But I've said this all season long, just because the Eagles are undefeated or were undefeated uh, up until a week ago doesn't make them the best team in football. Washington ran right at them. They went out and they got Linville uh, Joseph, and they went out and got Indomitian Sue. Uh, which was a smart move by Howie Roseman, but I still don't think that the Philadelphia Eagles are an unbeatable team. If the 49ers went to Philly in the playoffs, I think they could beat the Eagles. They don't have a ton of experience in the playoffs. I'm respecting them. They're really good. It's just I watched a lot of that game on Sunday because I wanted to get a better feel for the Eagles, and I always go back and watch you know certain teams so I can speak on a with a matter of authority on them, and uh, the Eagles have been good. I've seen a lot of good from the Eagles, and they came back. you got to give them a ton of credit, but I don't think they're an unbeatable team at the top of the NFC. Regardless, they improved to 9-1. and one. The team that could scare you, the Dallas Cowboys. I know the 49ers took them out in the first round of the playoffs last year, but they rolled Minnesota on the road. 40-3, Tony Pollard is a star. Going deep. Pollard has the catch, and no one will touch him again. Touchdown, Dallas. 40-3, Dallas beat Minnesota on the road. That was a convincing win. Dallas is 7-3, Minnesota is 8-2, and, and maybe it's Kirk Cousins. 
They do have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. I just don't trust Kirk Cousins. So just like I said with Philly, 8-2 and two Minnesota. I do not fear them, but Dallas, and I know that the 49ers took them out in the first round of the playoffs last year so they could do it again. But Dallas looks like they're on a roll. Another th- team I don't trust at the top of the NFC, the New York Giants. They're now 7-3 after they lost to the Lions at home, 31-12. Jamal Williams has 12 TDs. Who knew? They got five guys to the right. Give it to Williams. Looking for his third of the day, and he's got it for the touchdown. Three for Jamal Williams and a league-leading 12 on the year. Like I said, I didn't know he had 12. That's a league-leading 12 for Jamal Williams of the Lions. I don't know. I like Dan Campbell, but, uh, yeah, I've never believed in the Giants from day one. You beat who's in front of you. That's your schedule, 7-3. and three. I don't see the Giants going anywhere, and they got smoked at home by the Lions. The Falcons survived the Bears 27-24. They're now 5-6. and six. Cordero Patterson with the kick return touchdown. It's Patterson who fumbled the last time he touched it. Cordero Patterson has a seam. Patterson splits it. Goodbye. Cordero Patterson, the ninth time in his NFL career. He's had an interesting career. Cordero Patterson, punt returns, kick returns, wide receiver, running back, 27-24. The Falcons survive. So at the bottom of the NFC, as far as the playoffs go, Washington won. They beat up on the Texans. They're 6-5. and five. And as I said, the Falcons survived the Bears. They're now 5-6. and six. Teams to say goodbye to the Packers lost on Thursday. Goodbye, Aaron Rodgers. He's not getting in the playoffs. And thanks to this Dalton to Olave deep one, the Rams might as well be out as well. Third down at nine. Dalton heaves this one downfield. It is caught and taken in by Olave for a Saints touchdown. There's Kenny Albert on the call. The Saints beat the Rams quite easily in New Orleans. And so the Rams, the Packers, I don't see it for either of those teams. I'm not going out on a limb here on that one. And so that's the NFC picture. Two games you got to hear highlights from. I feel bad for Robert Sala. The Jets lose on a punt return, 10-3. It was tied at three with just seconds left. And Devontae Adams and the Raiders add to the misery of Russell Wilson and the Broncos. They get a walk-off touchdown. Here's two walk-offs. From the 16-yard line, Marcus Jones. Got a block from Schooler. Here he goes. He's going to try to beat the putter. He does. He's gone. And that is a touchdown. Fake to Jacobs. Carr loads up. Adams is open. Walk-off touchdown. A sweep of the Broncos for Las Vegas. Carter Devontae Adams in Denver, as you heard, sweep for the Raiders. They're not having the season they want, but if they can drag the Broncos down to misery as well in the AFC West. By the way, Sunday night football was a great one as well. I don't know how Travis Kelsey gets open, but he did. He gets the game winner, and the Chiefs win in L.A. against the Chargers, and that's the NFL in three minutes or more. to get going all season long so it felt good to help him a little bit and uh i mean it just felt good to have a big game man i'm really i'm, a, I'm my harshest critic so the first 10 games this season weren't easy for me so to come out and be myself again it felt incredible and like i said it's just something for me to build on and keep to keep going 127 to 120 so the warriors sweep the weekend friday night against the knicks at home in which they played much better defense 
Houston on the road, which they didn't play great defense, but the offense was so good. You got to go back and look at the Curry fadeaway three to seal it. It was unreal. And Wiggins, Clay, and Curry set an NBA mark with 23 threes as a trio. Curry and Clay combined for 74 points. And Steph Curry, I got to be honest with you, man, uh, just amazing what he is doing in his age 35 season 33 points, 15 to 6, six rebounds. He's added more wizardry to his passing. He is rebounding the ball. Uh, the, the Warriors now 8-9 and nine on the season after beating the Knicks and the Rockets. Scheduled this week at New Orleans tonight. Clippers Wednesday. We'll see about those uh, Utah Jazz who lead the West right now and how real they are on Friday and then at Minnesota on Sunday. So a challenging week, no question, for the Warriors. And I've been consistent in the podcast in saying this. Unless there is a major injury with the Warriors, a Curry, a Clay, a Dre, somebody like that, I am not leaving the Titanic. I will be the last violin player. Uh, I realize that uh, we are coming up on the magical 20 games, which is 25% of the season, and everybody likes to do quarter pole awards and everything like that, and the Warriors will probably be one of the teams that are disappointing, but this is what they do. They're going to slow play this thing all season long. They're not going for 73 wins because they realize that that's not what it's all about. It's about the 16-win uh, sprint when the playoffs start, and that's what the, that's what the Warriors are going to. But it looks great. The Clay had 41. They sweep the weekend. There's still a lot of work to be done. But I just wanted to do a one for the road. And usually one for the road, if you're new to the podcast, will be a something a little fun, a little quirky. But I just wanted to fit the Warriors in there because we were doing so much 49ers talk. But I just wanted to make sure that we acknowledged Clay scores 41. Obviously, the, the big thing is consistency with Clay. You could tell he almost feels relieved. And he needs to get back to that Clay that, pre-injury, which is very difficult to do, but Clay almost is overthinking this whole thing, and when he was just Clay before the injury, see ball, shoot ball, uh, not overthinking it, laid back, having a lot of fun, and I understand the new perspective, and I think it's great, but I think he's got to get back to just having fun out there. Whatever happens, happens, not forcing things. That's what Steve Kerr's been saying the whole time, but uh, good to see the Warriors do that. Great to see Clay, who's a tremendous guy, score 41, and I don't even know what else to say about Steph Curry. Eight and nine on the season, New Orleans tonight, and that is the Warriors, one for the road. And do remember, I'm on KNBR tonight, KNBR 680, KNBR.com, pre-half and post with the 49ers for 49ers and Cardinals from Mexico City, so make sure that you tune in for that. That is Unleashed, episode 47 for Monday, November 21st, 2022. I am John Lund with you. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for making Unleashed your first stop for Bay Area Sports Talk. Please listen to what you're doing. Thank you. Subscribe where you get your favorite podcasts. Studio's done. We'll be uh, in it on Wednesday, so we'll start the YouTube shows then. My day job, KMBR Radio in San Francisco, KMBR 680, The Blowtorch. And interact with me any old time, at John Lund Radio, Twitter, Instagram. Hit me up. That is Unleashed, Monday, November 21st, 2022, episode 47, only on the Locked On Podcast Network.